Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We have got the three amigos. Myself, Randy Dane is here. <laughs> Known for the audio, and, Randy nodded. Uh, yep. And Michelle Masterson. Hello. Thank you. You said the audio. There is no video. Not for the video. Not for the audio. Not for the audio. <laughs> oh, we're glad to be back together. And this is our final uh, week in the Gospel of John. Wow. Yeah, wow. Well what an accomplishment. We did it. Been. I yeah. feel like we have journeyed with Jesus. When did we really start? Have. Do y'all know? January of 22. 22? Hmm. Wow. Yep. We made it. I've got more gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, less. I started dying. <laughs> 22. What else we got? I've got less hair. Yeah. Randy's got. Same amount. <laughs> Same amount. Oh, life happened. I did try Jeez. cutting it on 0. 0.5 the other day. You and I hair? decided, yeah, instead of uh, I use a one and I tried using the 0. 0.5, it's too tight. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. Someday. Someday. Maybe after our next message series. oh we're excited to kind of wrap up and conclude our journey with jesus through the gospel of john so this week is about the one who failed i think it's a great way to end our series and my first question to you guys is what are some memorable instances of failing or making mistakes during your school years that you can laugh about now our friends from the local chemical industry won't appreciate this i don't think uh, but in high school, I took Chem 1, and then, uh, not because I had to, but I chose to take Chem 2. Did you take Chem 2 as well, Michelle? Oh, I doubt it. Okay. So <laughs> Did I you took, take physics? Or was it Chem 3? No, I didn't take physics. I took physics after okay. Chem 1. So I took Chem 2, and it was not going well. Stoichiometry was really... Geophondrin? Uh, no, Whitworth. Oh, okay. I had, I had found her for Kim 1, Whitworth for Kim 2. Uh, so anyway, it was one of those situations where it wasn't going well. And, and I mean, I had a, a fairly stellar high school academic career, but <laughs> Kim 2 was not going well. And uh, yeah, so I had to drop it and was, you know, avoiding failure by dropping it. Ended up taking anatomy and physiology in its place the next year. But this is the the part that is laughable now. So in order to not mess up my schedule, I became the teacher's aide for Kim too for that same period. Oh, and I yeah. spent the rest of my year in a closet <laughs> uh, sorting through chemicals and inventorying chemicals, measuring them and creating a digital inventory of what chemicals they had in the chemical lab. And so, like, no telling what kind of effect that had on my, you know, longevity of life. Right. I spent, you hair. know. Hair thinning, I think. Hair thinning. Yeah, yeah. I spent. Minoxidil. I spent an hour a day for days in a little chemical closet doing inventory. Were you breathing in things? I was breathing. <laughs> And I was in things. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one, Shelly? Yes. Um, I suppose my failure was not dropping the class. <laughs> um, I think I, I honestly can't remember if I actually, I didn't fail the class. I don't think. Here's what happened. I really, I mean, from the time I was a freshman 
my dream was to be the mascot our senior year. We were the Haltom Buffaloes, and I wanted to be the <laughs> buffalo with everything in me. And, like, I was on track. Like, I think I had a chance. And then um, our junior year... <laughs> Our junior year, I made a 69 and three sevenths in honors pre-cal. And if it had been four sevenths, that would have bumped me to a 70 and I would have been eligible to try out to be the Buffalo, but I was not. And I was heartbroken. I was so upset that I couldn't be the Buffalo our senior year. But now is probably a good thing because it was a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) You would have been a better buffalo than what we had, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) We'll never know. Oh, I know. (laughs) That's such a fine line. You've got to just think God did not want you to. I know, exactly. But it was, Well, and I mean, speaking of lines, the line of people lined up to be the buffalo. Really? Oh, it was extensive, yeah. That went on your list? (laughs) (laughs) You weren't on that track. Well, my best friend <laughs> was, was on the track. our junior year. And that was kind of the plan. Like, she was going to do junior year, and I was going to try to do senior year. You had it all lined up. Yeah. God was just trying to tell you. You're not <laughs> your mascot plans. material. Your plans. <laughs> I think, you know how, like, your senior year, y'all talk about, like, what somebody's most likely to become in the future. I think my English class voted me most likely to be an NBA mascot. And mm. that really was a dream. Mm. I was telling someone just this week how we dreamed of doing sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Dreamed like past tense. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell mine quick. I A couple weeks back, whenever I last got the chance to preach, I told a story about going to school with uh, two different pairs of shoes and being like mortified uh which for me that's kind of like what i think about now being mortified or failing making a mistake and and i can laugh about it now but like last week i was getting just i had dressed for school and uh could not find any of his shoes and i have a bag from friends who like you know hand-me-downs and it was a bag of shoes that we had not, it was like a bag of shoes that were a little too big. I was like, I need something. So I open it up and there's <laughs> these two pairs of shoes that I'm like looking at. They're exactly the same. I can't find any other ones, but they're two different colors. They're the same style, but the highlight is like blue on one foot and, and yellow on the other. And I'm like, I think these are meant to, meant to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two exact ones that were a size bigger the same thing both left were yellow and the both right were blue huh. and i'm like you know it was, it was kind of a rush i was like i'm pretty sure there are no other shoes that match in this thing so i sent him to school he's too little to be embarrassed well i sent him to school and then his teacher when i picked him up from school was like i think josiah's wearing two different pairs of shoes <laughs> <Nah. today." laughs> and i was like it's still oh, on you. It's the, yeah i'm the one taking the embarrassment yep. <laughs> wow she needs some better business <laughs> <laughs> she's great i like her she's she was teasing me but yeah we can all remember our failures. Well, the reason we're talking about that is because this week, the one who failed that we're talking about is actually Peter, the infamous slow disciple. <laughs> uh, we're going to see his biggest failure, and we're going to see what how Jesus handles 
it at the end of John's gospel. So first I was reading Mark 14, uh, and I just want to read a few things. And this is actually Peter's failure written out for us. And in Mark 14, we see that as Jesus is standing trial, that Peter is nearby and people begin to recognize him. And they begin to say, aren't you with him? The, the Nazarene Jesus, and it says he denied it. Again, he walks outside, and a servant girl sees him and says, hey, you're one of them. Again, he denies it. One more time, they say, you are a Galilean. Surely you are one of them. And then one last time, he doubts, he denies it. And he swears to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed, <clears throat> and Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. So, this is the failure we're talking about. Huge moment. My question is just, what do you think Peter was experiencing in the days after denying Jesus? And how do you think he felt? I bet he was replaying it. Yeah. You know, over and over and over in his mind. Uh, probably each of the three scenarios just kept thinking through the, I don't know, the guilt of that moment. Guilt, yeah. I think he's probably feeling a lot of shame and probably embarrassment because he was so adamant that he wouldn't do it. And I thought so, you were going to say embarrassment because it was a little girl. Well, that's too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I think that's such a, a hard, and because it's such a failure because before this, Peter, when Jesus says, someone's going going to betray me and you're all going to to leave peter says no all of them may fall away but not me yeah he's like i'm going to be the one that will be there till the end yeah and well that's just it goes against peter right because he's yeah. he's bold we see peter over and over peter walks on water peter you know is the first to speak up peter he's bold he's brave he's uh he's not fast yeah but, <laughs> but he's, he's the first to walk in yeah, yeah. and uh and this just goes against the other Maybe that's the why profile the rock, of peter because he's heavy <laughs> uh, I just think about him feeling all those things because it, he he has these denials, and then the rooster crows, and then he remembers what Jesus said, mm -hmm. and then he breaks down and, and cries, and just feeling that moment, and then seeing what happens next of Jesus is actually crucified and he dies, and all these things happen in the whole time in the back of his mind. That's just got to continue to play. Yeah, I think he's miserable. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so he's got a pretty massive failure, not only personally but it's also recorded for us for the rest of time um, that this is what happened so pretty infamous failure here but as we get to john chapter 21 and we see jesus at the end of john's gospel i want to start by reading uh just luke 5 and in luke 5 verse 4 we see that jesus shows up to some of the disciples and they're fishing all night, and they haven't caught anything. And he's, he tells them, hey, to, to put your nets down on the other side of the boat. And they listen to Jesus. And immediately it says that they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to help them. And then they pulled in all these fish. Uh, it was a miraculous catch. Peter falls at Jesus' feet. And he says, Lord, I'm go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus yet said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So we see early on in Jesus' ministry, he has this interaction with the disciples where they have a miraculous catch of fish, and then they decide to leave everything to follow him. And he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. At the end of John's gospel, we see a very similar story. 
we see that they have gone fishing <laughs> and they've uh, they fished all night and not caught anything and yet somebody they don't know it's jesus signals to them to do the same to throw your nets on the other side so jesus said cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish they threw their nets over and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish suddenly they recognize that it's jesus and peter again says it is the lord which is interesting here. It says that Peter was so excited, he jumped out of the boat and started swimming to shore. And John tells us the other disciples dragged the net full of fish. And they were not far from land. They were still about 100 yards John's off. John's got a thing about Peter, man. Uh, he does. But we see Peter's very eager, and they bring in this miraculous catch of fish. So we see these two similar stories. And my question is, what's the significance of Jesus performing a similar miracle at this specific moment in their lives, the similarities, uh, everything, right, and and what's going on here, not just the, with the repetition of the miraculous catch, but also what we'll see in a few moments is uh, the repetition and the restoration. Like mm-hmm. there's there's no coincidence here um, that's going on. And so what I love about this moment is it takes me back to the first miraculous catch where Jesus calls Peter to be his disciple. And Peter's response to Jesus's power is what it's, I am sinful. Mm-hmm. Like his response to Jesus's power is a recognition of his own sin. No one has said anything about sin in that space. Mm-hmm. And that's Peter's reflex. And here we have Peter on the other side of his sin and failure and his denial of Jesus and Jesus is repeating and recreating the scene, again, demonstrating his power in the exact same way. Peter's back to his roots. Jesus called him away from fishing to go and fish for men. And on the other side of the crucifixion, Peter's returned to what he's always known. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is, I think, is a part of his restoration. He's demonstrating his power again, but it's a call on Peter's life back into discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a call and a calling back and... Um, I love how, once again, just like we saw last week with Thomas, that Jesus meets Peter where he is. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus is the one who told Peter, you're going to do this. Peter's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, yeah, you are. <laughs> and then he does. And I think Peter's miserable. And then Jesus just calls him back and meets him where he was. Mm. Well, once they get their their fish back on the land, it says that they see that not G- Peter, the yeah, others, no, yeah, G- yeah, everyone yeah. else. Peter took a shortcut. <laughs> Thomas was there either. The absent, yeah, he's absent, of course. <laughs> uh, we see that they see that Jesus has a fire going, and he's already laid out some fish on it, and he's got some bread, so he's got breakfast ready. And yet, when they show up, Jesus says, "Bring some of the fish that you've caught," and he tells them to go get the fish that they caught and bring it to breakfast. So, my question is, what are the implications of Jesus inviting his disciples to participate in the preparation of breakfast, even though he's already got fish cooking on the fire? Which is a weird breakfast, I think. (laughs) Yeah, Randy the Hungry is anti the ancient Near East first century breakfast of fish. (laughs) Have you Rose heard of pancakes? (laughs) (laughs) It, It reminds me of when Jesus fed the 5,000 and Jesus could have easily performed those miracles and done whatever he, however he wanted. And yet he uses what people have. And he not only uses the little boys fish and and loaves, but also he uses the disciples to be a part of that miracle. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Greg highlights in his message is that 
Jesus is inviting them to be a part of what he's doing. Yeah. He's like, I already got fish and I, I'm the one that just gave you that miraculous catch, but go and get what you've got and bring it here. Yeah. That's good. Jesus always has fish on the fire and, uh, you know, he just gives us the opportunity and the privilege of joining him in it. Mm -hmm. Cause Jesus didn't even have to use a fire to cook that fish if he didn't (laughs) want to, like he could just could have zapped it and it could have been done. So yeah, I love that that he's yeah, inviting them into the microwave. Any <laughs> <laughs> pancakes in the microwave? Thomas is like, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, the fire's for Peter to dry off. <laughs> All right. Well, if we keep reading in uh, verses fifteen through seventeen, we see when they finish breakfast, Jesus said to Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he keeps asking Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes. And he responds, feed my sheep. Again, he asks Simon the same question. Do you love me? Peter responds, yes. You know that I love you. He says, tend to my sheep. The third time, Simon of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. And then he said, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to feed my sheep. So, my question is, we see this restoration of Peter, but why is it relevant that Jesus asked Peter three times if he loves him? It's complete, Mm -hmm. right? It's complete restoration uh, that covers completely our failures. And and so, with Peter, you know, Peter gets a little bit annoyed and uh, and maybe a little offended. Um, But the, the picture that it creates is that it's full. Mm-hmm. It's full and complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter, even though I think he's been miserable and ashamed, he's probably starting to think, am I going to have to spend the rest of my life trying to, you know, mm-hmm. live this down, trying to prove this? But yeah, it's for every time that you denied me, I'm giving you an opportunity to love me. Mm. I think it's a good perspective, too. It's like, oh, he's back. Okay, Jesus is risen. and. It's good news, but he still has this thing in his past. It's like you can't forget the fact that he he fulfilled Jesus' own words and he denied him three times. It's no matter what the good news is, he's still got that in the back of his mind. Yeah, think about that, like future disciple gatherings. It's like <laughs> How many times somebody got to walk on water with Jesus to have a couple of denials overcome? Yeah. Any of you other guys walk on the water? No? Yeah. Okay. Seriously, it's like, Peter, how many things did she get to do with Jesus? And you, the little girl? Really? Yeah. Peter's like, two people at the Transfiguration. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. That's another way John got him. He made sure to include the detail yeah. that it was a little girl. Little girl. <laughs> little girl. Slow man. Slow man, little girl. <laughs> yeah he wants us to know that's so funny there i like you said michelle there's got to be this feeling of like debt in some way like yeah. even if it's personal or shame or like he he's just fa- like it really is the epitome of feeling of failure even though there's good news of letting those things continue to hold on and so there is so much here of jesus saying i'm addressing exactly what you are thinking about in your failure. And I'm like you said, Randy, bringing it to completion. I'm going to ask you three times. And I think that's why on the third time it says that before he responds, he, he's grieved because Jesus asked him three times. Like, I think he's probably thinking like, you, you got to keep asking me because I'm a failure. Yeah. But also I think he's also realizing like, I see what probably what this is. 
Another thing I love about it, you said the word debt, and that made me think that what Jesus is asking him is about Peter's heart. Uh-huh. He's saying, do you love me? And then he does give him instructions after that, but what Jesus is after is our heart. Uh-huh. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, you've got all this sin, so, you know, I died for you, but... This is how you're going to undo those things yourself. Well, he just and, and wants that's our what heart. happens when Jesus has our heart. Mm-hmm. He gets our actions, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When Jesus has our heart, then our, our hearts lead us to kingdom service. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he starts there. Yeah, that's really good. Just, do you love me? All right, then go do this. And he starts there. So good. Well, Jesus tells him every time after he responds, yes, I do love you. He tells him to feed my sheep, to tend my sheep, and then to feed my sheep again. So, my questions really are, what is he telling Peter to do, and how do you think it felt to Peter in this moment, even though he'd failed so badly and publicly, that Jesus still entrusted him with significant responsibility? I mean, I think we can relate, right? I mean, I I think Jesus gives us significant responsibility in spite of our own failure and our own sin and our own inability to live by his standards, you know? And, uh, and so I, I think to the extent that I understand what it feels like to be Peter, I think you feel, uh, humbled. I think you love and believe in grace. Um, and I think you feel empowered, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, grace motivates us. And, and from that place of humility, then it's like, man, uh, this is a deep and real motivation, uh, to, to do this work for God, Uh, because I'm so grateful for the work of God in me. Hmm. Yeah, motivated is what I was thinking too, because at this point, Peter's walked with Jesus, performing miracles and teaching. He's seen Jesus die. He knows that Jesus raised from the dead, and now he knows that he is in relationship with Jesus again. So, he probably feels pretty empowered, pretty ready to go do what Jesus says. Um, Peter's a good Hebrew boy, right? It's not lost on him that, uh, you know, I don't know that he has complete clarity at this point how all this is going to shake out, but it's not lost on him that he's in he's in a league mm-hmm. of imperfect people uh, that God uses powerfully, you know? Like, he grew up with his Old Testament heroes, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Peter knows he's going to be one, but... Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like he, He's seen God work this play before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, my last thought is just, how does Peter's experience of being restored by Jesus in this passage offer hope and encouragement to those of us who have struggled with sin, failure, or doubt in our own lives? How do we take this story, and what does it mean to us today and tomorrow? I think you go back to both miraculous catches and I think if there's anything that we draw from this, it's, you know, about the goodness and grace of God. But I think it's also the posture of Peter, like the first Peter in, in the miraculous catch where he recognizes in light of God's power, his own humility and sin. And he just confesses, man, I'm a sinful man. And then the second go around on the other side of the three denials and his failure, uh, he drops the load of fish, recognizing that it's insignificant compared to the opportunity to be with Jesus, and Peter does what Peter does, and he mm-hmm. runs to Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, man, like, recognize our own sin and sinfulness, be humble about it, confess it, and run to Jesus. Like, how much better of a model could we have than Peter the slow and brave? 
I think the encouragement I take is that um, God uses the broken, you know, none of us are perfect. We're, our sins are covered by what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, but we still sin and we're still, you know, not perfect people and God uses us. And so, I love that we get to see in Peter's restoration his future ministry. Like Mm -hmm. Peter's about to get to minister to other people out of his failure, out of his brokenness. And like what Jesus is telling him is go feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, tend to them. And we know that Peter is the rock that Jesus builds his church on. And so I love the picture that we get to have of even what that looks like in our own failures and our own brokenness of ministering to other people from those things. And like, it's just such a full picture because he says, feed them, tend to them, shepherd them. And the way I hear that is Jesus is saying, I care about the whole person. Like, I hear Jesus saying, I care about people's spiritual health, mental and emotional health, and physical health, and you're who I want to go do that, even though you're not always the healthiest. Mm. Well, the other thing is, like, if you keep following Peter into the book of Acts, Peter's not done getting it wrong. Right. (laughs) Peter's not done making mistakes, and Peter is far from done in regards to exercising his, his kingdom ministry, right? Like, I mean, you're not going to find two more prolific disciples and apostles than Peter and Paul, but you're also not going to find two bigger failures. Mm-hmm. And and that's not that's not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like, these mm-hmm. two guys that God used powerfully yeah. in the establishment of the church had some of the mm-hmm. biggest rap sheets in the Bible. Yeah. And I think it's important to know, too, that, that they're included. Like God chose for them to be in, in his word because they made many more mistakes than are included. But it's like you said, I want you to see these people who are broken and have massive failures. And, but those are the ones I'm using. I think it's a good reminder. I, I think when I think about Peter's restoration and this interaction with Jesus, I just think about the person who has failed and maybe because of the failure, they've wrestled with forgiveness, but maybe they've embraced forgiveness, but they don't feel like God can use them beyond or in the continuing on. And one thing I just love to remind people of is, man, Jesus wants to give you new life. He wants to give you forgiveness and he's offering it to you. But once you receive it, he also wants to give you new purpose. And I think that there are people Who's like, man, I, I can maybe I can barely wrap my mind around being forgiven of those things, my mistakes and my failures, but I don't ever see God using me beyond that. Yeah. To for his kingdom or to help other people or the mission of his church, whatever that may be. And I just think this is a good reminder of that too. Well, and I love that I've seen this story play out time and time again in our church mm-hmm. where people, you know, have, have failed in some ways and yet God's redeemed it and restored them and even used them in, in powerful uh, ways through significant leadership. And and I love that what we have is a place that we, we genuinely believe and practice grace. Yeah. And, and, and vulnerability. And, yep. Yeah, that's right. And and then watching God do uh, what what God does. Yeah, because like as you were talking, Joseph, I was thinking about you were talking more on the side of, I know I'm forgiven, but will God use me again? I think there's also an element of 
these people know what happened. They know what I did. Mm -hmm. Will they trust me? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. can I be used because of whatever my reputation may or may not be right now? And it made me think of the importance of being vulnerable with each other because at Braz's point, we absolutely believe that God will still use you. We want you Mm -hmm. to serve others out of that place. And so, we need to be transparent and honest about what we're struggling with because you never know how that is going to shepherd somebody else. But you also need to own your sin and sinfulness mm-hmm. and turn to Jesus like Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Go back to the model of Peter. Peter right, owns his sin. He confesses. And and that is essential in order for restoration and yep. future use, you know? Hmm. This is a great way to think to end the Gospel of John with this story of restoration. And mm-hmm. Jesus we see clearly John wants us to see Peter <laughs> all yeah. throughout his gospel. <laughs> well, and, and not to not to end on the cross or the empty tomb. Mm-hmm. But the the power and the fruit of the cross in the mm-hmm. empty tomb. Like, yeah. That's what Peter's story is. This is this, Jesus just did this. He just died. He just rose again. And this is why, because he's in he's on mission. His mission continues for restoration and renewal, for complete and full and total forgiveness, and for uh, uh, an invitation to mm-hmm. be ambassadors. To help make breakfast and to go make disciples. <laughs> yeah, but, but stay away from the fish. <laughs> that would have been how you got your Bible nickname. Is Jesus would have had breakfast waiting, and you would have you would have been like, "Is this it?" <laughs> Picky uh, Randy. <laughs> let's get this straight, bro. You defeated the grave, and fish is all you can come up with. <laughs> My understanding so, is, Jesus, I know you know the future. You know about you fried of, chicken? You know about donuts? Donuts? <laughs> yes. Uh, there's also these things called crepes that are coming. Yeah. Kolaches. Maybe a kolache. Yeah, man. A taquito. <laughs> yes. Oh. Turns out if you take a tortilla and put some egg and sausage in it. Not anything. I've been that amazing. tortilla. I don't think they're eating pork yet. Fish. I, don't, I just don't like fish. <laughs> well... Gospel of John was fun. And what was your favorite part? Quickly. Ooh. The resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not breakfast, clearly. My favorite part. Mine, I'll take the good one. It's just really, it's wa- literally watching Peter and John throughout it. Yeah. And r- being reminded, these are real people. <laughs> and these have real personalities behind the author and the disciples. And that's just fun to see. I think one of my favorite parts is um, just seeing Jesus's interaction with people and, mm-hmm. and his humanity and divinity both on display at the same time. And like some of the ones that stand out to me are uh, the woman at the well. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorites, John 4. I mean, we got there early, right? But uh, man, I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about how we get to see how he interacts with so many different people and how those interactions all look different. And it makes me think again about how Jesus is concerned about the heart. He's, you know, saying some things to the Pharisees because he knows their hearts. He knows what is going on. And then he is speaking completely differently to other people because he knows their hearts. And um, I just love how in John you get to see who Jesus is, who he says he is, and who 
he chose himself to be. We have journeyed with Jesus. We have journeyed Don't with Jesus. Don't you feel like, though, you know the Gospel of John better? I do. No, I do, too. Like, I really do feel like this. It just, I mean, seriously, for me personally, uh, this year and a half, like, I feel like I know the Gospel mm-hmm. of John better. And it's been my go-to lately. Like, if yeah. I'm, you know, wanting to find encouragement about something or, or you know, anything like i'm like i'm gonna go to john i remember well, I talking think, about let's this. just start over yeah let's just go back to word made flesh john 1 1 let's go <laughs> oh well thanks so much for listening y'all we'll start a new series next week and we will continue to follow along with it are you gonna say what the new series is you tell us <laughs> randy you tell us so we're starting a series next sunday called first comes love then comes Dun, dun, dun. Fill yeah. in the blank, right? So it's like first comes love, then comes expectations and conflict and confusion and misunderstanding and just this idea that um, marriage can be complicated, but man, it was created by God to be beautiful. And and my big hope in this message series is for married and unmarried people alike uh, that we cast a, a vision of marriage that is beautiful and glorious, like difficult yet glorious and and worth it um so it's going to be practical but it's also uh going to be just helping build a solid foundation uh for really understanding the fullness of this good gift that god has given us called marriage Mm -hmm. and the hope too is if you're pre-married or whatever season of life you're in that there's a lot to gain from this too so that's the hope all right well thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week